This is the Marketing Hero Podcast by ClearPivot, turning marketers into heroes. Welcome to the Marketing Hero Podcast. I'm your host, Maya Wells. In this episode, we're talking search engine optimization, but not in the way that you've heard on this show ever before. Today, we have Micah Fisher Kirshner, who is definitely an expert on SEO, having led strategy for big names like Zazzle and Zendesk. But very interestingly for us, he now manages a set of B2B SaaS portfolio companies around SEO and content at a growth equity firm called Turn River Capital. Micah has led exits recently for SaaS companies, including Mailgun, Airbrake, Test.io, Magnus Health, and Huddle, which we'll get into a couple examples from those, I'm sure, during the interview. And we are going to talk in depth about what it's like to move from managing SEO strategy and execution into managing companies in the space of content and SEO. Let's get into it. Micah Fisher-Kirshner, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me here. Let's start off with a question we like to ask every single guest. What is your favorite part of your career and how did you figure that out? The favorite part of my career has definitely been putting together essentially an in-house testing platform specifically geared around SEO. I got to actually do that really twice. First, when I was in comparison shopping at become.com and then as well when I was at Zazzle. And for me, what I really enjoyed about about that was was being able to like go in, take kind of that black box that sometimes you could say it's Google, and then tweak specific things and find out, well, does this part actually matter or not? And then if it does, by what percentage and being able to actually fiddle and tweak with it. The, that's something that I've always felt a lot of pride and, and enjoyment over. And why do you feel that is? Is that something like solving an unsolvable problem in certain ways? Yeah, it's a little bit of that. Part of it is a little bit of the challenge and then figuring out said challenge, or even if it's just parts of said challenge. It's also, I feel like in some ways, it's a little bit like using a little bit of my, I have a a little bit of an econometrics background. And I feel like some of the stats and, and areas that are involved with it and doing the testing and, and trying to take something that's that's often seen very fluffy or qualitative and turning it a bit more towards the quantitative and analytical side of it. And that that's something I get a joy out of. And can you share with us, Micah, if you remember one of the things that your testing revealed that maybe we would benefit from knowing? It's more of just like the testing then versus now changes. So like a lot of these tests were, let's see, almost 10 years ago for some of them. So, you know, the impact of that probably has changed and some of them I haven't tested since. But I think one of the most fascinating ones was determining kind of placement of, of the content within the HTML. And so we were actually got to the point because it was a large site, we could we could test by search engine, not by search engine, but see the difference between search engines and see the the impact difference between what at the time when Bing was, I think it was Bing, maybe it was MSN then, but like seeing actual differences between the impact by search engine and seeing where on one Google was, it would, you know, we moved the content higher up in the code, but behind a tab. And we would see like a drop of 
I think it was like 2% on Google and like 10% increase on Bing. And so what I found fascinating at the time of that was sitting there going, okay, what's the net net actually then? Is that is that net, you know, numerically better or not? And it was a fascinating kind of situation to be in to, to kind of analyze not just a, a change, but a, a weird change where it benefited one search engine quite a bit more than the other and then saying, okay, do we roll this out or not? Because one, Google's bigger, but like larger impact being, but will that still be the amount of uh, uh, value over time if Google continues to increase its market share? Well, it sounds like you're a really data-driven guy. Is that something that has always been present for you in your career? Generally, yes. Uh, I try to be as, as much as possible. In fact, when I first started uh, in the agency world, one of the big things that I quickly dove into was in the early days, the early launch of Google Analytics. Uh, free and kind of how much easier it was than many of the other, like the old Omniture site catalyst or Tipwise as well. And just trying to have a tool that oftentimes there was no search console really. So finally having a tool that as an SEO, I could use fairly easily, learn pretty quickly, UI, understandable right up, right off the bat and be able to collect that data and then leverage it for a lot of my SEO practices. That kind of actually segues into thinking about some of those things with new solutions. So thinking about things like UI, data availability, how you can actually use that to improve all kinds of different practices, SEO included. Is that more what you're working on these days in terms of finding new solutions and ideas that are making waves in this area? I always try to keep an eye out to see what, what new things are out there. I've Personally, I found it to be most of the the solutions are, are behind the times for SEO. I feel that the change of pace that SEO has and kind of the tool sets of the new technology that are out there um, it hasn't, hasn't really caught up. More and more I'm seeing more like niche-oriented tools that solve a specific pain point and less of these larger ones that, that are kind of, I call them fixed reporting platforms or solutions for SEO. They're not very adaptable. They're not very flexible. So when like a change is made on Google, it's months down the line before you get that, if at all, the data for what you need into said tool. And it makes it very difficult to keep track of all the changes and understand what the impact is in your SEO because they're kind of the, these almost tools that were built for a different, or a platform essentially was built for a different time than it is today and just hasn't caught up. And so a lot of times I feel like more and more I'm trying to use like niche point solutions, which is also hard for what I'm trying to uh, accomplish. So just to clarify, and I don't know if you want to name names or not, but are we talking around the idea of like an SEM rush, a Moz as those more static solutions, and then, you know, some of the newer SaaS ideas coming out as more of those niche solutions? Yeah, I mean, obviously there's, there's, a, there's a, a spectrum of how static to flexible they are. I think for, for me personally, I use SEM Rush. They make changes every so often, but it, it's there are a lot of like niche solutions. I'll see, for example, like pixel depth of where your actual result is on the SERPs. That's a niche solution that still hasn't been implemented in very many type of tool sets from kind of like the larger platforms and the antiquated ones. But like niche ones have come up and great. Or it took a bit for kind of say uh, like ClearScope being one of like a good niche tool for, for content and SEO and, and being able to, to kind of take my SEO bias and 
arrogance from what I think as an SEO, put it to a side and say, hey, this is kind of what Google is saying as a whole is doing well for this topic for any of the content that you want to rank. Try to kind of at least at a minimum match that and then go above and beyond for, for what your skill set is. It takes me kind of less from the picture and, and puts it more towards uh, a good tool-based thing. And the, you know, SEMrush and, and a few other tools have kind of tried to implement some of these things in place. And so it, it just seems to take longer for kind of the skill set that we need when we've gone from a lot of a kind of static environment to much more of like machine learning structures. Can you give us a concrete example of a problem that you'll run into by not having that flexibility or a use case where you'd like to know some information in real time based on a, an algorithm change and you can't get that in the kind of more, I don't know, legacy solutions for lack of a better word. Can you maybe give us like an application of this idea? Yeah. So there's been changes between like, you know, new featured snippets that come out, whether it was like FAQs, how to's anything, or like the, the more recent, like Google's changes to the title tags, not being what is evident to the page. The FAQs and the how-tos, those, like, you know, for, like, SEMrush, those took a bit of time to get added in, but it's also been not consistent. I get it for a project report, but not necessarily uh, the same details at the overall report, and then kind of the the details of what I get is mixed and matched, and so there's some there. And then, like, the, the title tag, like, type changes, you get to see some of that in, in Ahrefs, and, and there's good utilities of it, but there's no, like, kind of calls of, like, hey, you don't have the, the, the title for this date is not, or this time period for release when we've collected the data is not being used. You know, there's no new column added in. There's no ability to see it when you get down to that level to just kind of see like as a percentage, these out of the traffic and the things that you're tracking, X amount of percentage is being the correct title versus the non-correct. And so it makes it difficult because if you're looking to try to see, hey, why did my CTR shift way in the past or why did my traffic shift? you're missing out on said data points because you don't know very easily and visually in ways to say, hey, on this date you have it, this date you didn't. And so you're trying to deduce what's going on and then trying to remind yourself what happened into the past. And oftentimes those things are not added in until much later. And if there's not a lot of quick abilities to make those shifts. And that's that's some of the, the pain points I hit as I see more and more of these functional changes that often will occur more and more on Google side. And so, Micah, do you think that the answer is some of these new startup, you know, SaaS solutions that are coming into the market to solve these pain points one at a time? I'm leaving there a little because I kind of have to, and I'm not a, a dev encoder in any way. So, like, for me, it almost feels like a new system built from the ground up has to kind of be built to deal with it that has the flexibility built from, from the ground up. And because like the initials, which are great, it's also time consuming because I got to go out and review them, get buy-in, get the purchasing price for that, and then integrate it into my current systems. And that's, that's extra time and effort to, to try to figure that out. And then it's like, is it worth it? And is it, is it not to just, okay, I'm going to have to suffer through more error ranges for the things that I work on. And to me, like, it would be great if these tools have those abilities to, like, know, have somebody in-house. Like, Ahrefs has an SEO in-house. These types of 
tools that start to suggest, oh, maybe they can actually make that shift because they've got intrinsically a product that is either originally built by an SEO versus built for SEOs, or they've switched to start pulling in in-house SEOs to help work on the actual product and know from an SEO mindset what's needed. And I think that is a good stop, like not stopgap measure, but the right path to hopefully get to the situations that I as an SEO and a lot, of, I would say generally a lot of SEOs really need to kind of understand what's going on as more and more complexity is added into the system. Yes, and actually we just had a recent episode talking about the importance of SEO and engineering working together, even on the product side, even on the marketing side. So if you guys haven't uh, heard the episode with Abhishek Rajendra, go look that up because we talk in depth about that relationship and how important it really is to have that collaboration happening. So Micah, I wonder if we could talk a little bit about what's happening at Turn River Capital and some of these SaaS companies that you're seeing come through. You had a couple recent exits that are super interesting. And even these are tools sort of for developers. Like I'm thinking of Airbrake, I'm thinking of Test.io, things that are reaching out to the community that cares about this, a community of techies like us. So tell me a little bit about sort of what that transition was like going from being an expert in executing SEO or as an SEO turning into kind of more of a growth equity guy. What has that journey been like? And then also I'd love to know any exciting new solutions that are on the horizon that you're looking at right now. (laughs) Yeah. So a little background for me, I I started in the agency world. Um, I was there for about three years and then I've been, I went in house for most of my career thereafter and the switch over into a growth equity, private equity world essentially is like being in, in between the two different worlds really. And for me, I see it as the best of both. I, I get to work across different companies and learning kind of what's going on uh, and seeing the experiences and then trying to suss out best practices across uh, a very similar industry that, I, that the company focuses on, but also kind of act as somebody who is really in-house, part of the team, essentially, across each of these different uh, what we call portfolio companies. So the difference in, in kind of that aspect for me and where it changes a bit is I, I look at things essentially at scale, but at the scale of across the companies. What can I do that I can then replicate? Because we're all basically Turn River focuses in the B2B SaaS space. As you mentioned, dev is one of the areas. We also do security, IT as well. And we found that generally we can kind of rinse and repeat and do a lot of similar tactics and best practices and IP that we can use across. And so the areas that I focus on is trying to think through those, find something that works, test it on another. And if it does start to kind of rinse and repeat and put that into a process going forward. So the process for that is essentially in a lot of ways, a starting point, understanding the business. Like when, when a new company comes as part of the turnover for portfolio is understanding you know, where they've been in the past, what are the current leaks, so to speak, as I like to put it, like what are the issues currently with the site that need fixing so that the the growth period from there on out isn't necessarily hampered by any of the things that we're going to put into place. And then it's kind of, let's say, a standard process of here's what we do in our, our year one work on these things. And the longer we keep them, the more kind of things we have for, or the not more, but like, 
different things that we have for a year two and a year three play. But at the same time thinking, how can I take these year two, year threes and speed it up um, moving into year ones if we can do so in a way that doesn't overburden the marketing directors at these portfolio companies. Because of course, it's not just me as, as a, kind of in a unique environment as an SEO in, in a private equity, but it's, it's other marketing folks, other sales folks, and other CS folks as we're, we're focus is about growing those businesses, which is just unique and, and a nice, better path, in my opinion, is like, how can we grow and, and really improve them? And so we're working with the said teams trying to, to find, okay, they're missing X, Y, and Z person. We need to get those hired into those companies. And we are the specialists to help partner with them so that they in their role can be successful in the business in turn. And so trying to understand what is needed kind of goes through that. And so as long as we can reasonably do so without overwhelming and getting there, then that's that's part of kind of what I work towards when it comes to many of these portfolio companies. So let's talk a little bit more about timeline because I heard you say things in terms of years, which is music to my ears because I think a lot of times, especially in marketing for software and SaaS, everything is due yesterday. I mean, it feels like we are all moving in such a fast pace all the time. You know, I mean, we all know SEO by and large is a long-term game. Um, If you are looking at, you know, either the technical health of your website, content programs, I mean, there's so much that goes into it, right? And so it's not something like advertising where we see how many people come to the website tomorrow. So I wonder if you can talk to us a little bit about the possible pressure to grow you know I mean we are we do want to make money here right I mean that's what a a growth equity firm is about like let's get these companies ready to go let's everybody make some money right and having that pressure there or maybe even timeline pressure on that versus the idea that SEO is not a quick tactic so how do you deal with that Uh, do you deal with that tell us a little bit more about the timelines yeah no I don't mean to lengthen and say you know it only all about work around year one, two, three. You know, we look at the data on a week-to-week basis. We are looking at what can we get done in the, when we company comes on board, what can we get done in the first 90 days? And the same thing of like, what can we do to speed up work from year two or three and move it into year one? And so it's a balance with the portfolio companies and saying, okay, SEO is generally longer term. So we need to put in some foundational work to get this out of the way but you have your paid work, your CRO work, getting the data properly set up. You have all these other things too. And understanding that because we are all aligned towards a single goal, what's nice about it is that we can do a better job of prioritizing our different work. And and, and in turn, they can help understand what their prioritization of their work should be too. Because... The end goal is like we're trying to hit a specific number. We hit the number. It doesn't necessarily matter how we get there um, because we're going to hit you – know, obviously, if we can hit it in the way that we think we should, that's, that's best. But if we still hit it and we figure out why or how, we can then learn from that and use it elsewhere. And so it's always a, a net benefit. And so like the inter-party politics type stuff is, is kind of lessened because we're all aligned to the goals, and it makes it then easier – even if the pressure is on of like, we need to look at this kind of week to week, we need to be on it. Because oftentimes kind of at least the first 90 days in the direction where things are going matters for the, for the next two, three years. And it's helpful getting that aligned 
early on, everybody kind of understands it. And so um, there's that side of it. And then there's the, on the Turn River side, where it's helpful is that we have operations, kind of the marketing sales CF side, and led by folks that actually understand each of these different marketing channels. And so having that person there who understands, yes, SEO does take a while that you got to build this in, uh, lessens sometimes the misunderstandings that can occur about like, we need this, this now, but you, you know, we're, we're also always pushing of like, can we do this faster? Is there a way we can speed this up? What are some creative ways to get around Roblox? And it's a very conducive environment in that regard of asking questions to kind of help hit you know, sometimes our, our bias even where we shut things down and it's a great way to kind of try to like, can you get around it? Is there a way, you know, to, to make it work? Definitely a lot of problem solving going on. So what would be, what would be an example, let's say, of a first 90 day goal? Like, let's say we can't get to the finish line in 90 days, but what would be like a starting line kind of a thing that you would do with a typical company you're working with here? Yeah, and a typical 90 day type goal prioritization of what needs to be fixed. So there sometimes can be some pretty big stuff that maybe these can vary. So it, it can go from like, you have 10,000 domains that are linking to you and they're broken. You've, you've missed a chunk and it's like, well, that's a good chunk. Let's, let's, you know, prioritize that. You know, there's a, a chunk of the site that is accidentally been blocked or a chunk of the site that shouldn't be, that might be creating issues. And so there's a prioritization kind of, we'll call it kind of the audit side, but really it's just trying to find problems that have been as part of the nature of the business over X amount of years. And then the other part is um, any quick wins that I can look at and say, yeah, like we fixed this. I'm pretty sure we can, we can get a quick win out of that. And that's usually meaning kind of like the content side of the house fixes of specific parts of the site that I can scale across different businesses. I just know intrinsically like, we fix the title tag in a format that's better like this as one example um, to starting to get a, a business shape together, depending on how complicated or big the, the, the company is, then it's, are we missing topics that we should be writing about? And this can be for, for in the B2B world, kind of, are we talking about the right B2B subject to the content end of like, have we covered the topics that we should be covering? Are we considering all the competitors that we should be considering for our target demographics that we, we care about to create with our an ideal customer profile. And those are some, some of the things where it's like, okay, let me collect that data of competitors, see what they have, see where they rank, what they're targeting, and then create a list together that I can go back to content team or a marketing team to do so. I think the... Last part of usually is something like in the, in the 90 days, any, any kinds of process or writing uh, with SEO mentality kind of best practices that I put together and say, okay, here are some things to help answer your questions about SEO concerns or ways of which we should be doing said research when it comes to your content that you're trying to rank on Google. Here's, here's a way to do it. And so it's getting, getting a, kind of a training and teaching sessions going. Yeah, it definitely sounds like some planning, some low-hanging fruit, and some filling of holes kind of right at the beginning. What about, you know, a year into it, would you say would be some goals? Or even, like, what would be the, the end game where we're kind of, what does the picture of a company look like when you're starting with them versus, you know, upon exit, I guess, is, is really the goal here, right? What does that look like? Yeah, over time, mainly it's it's it shifts from, here, like, here's the process to 
handing more off to them. That can be just to the marketing person, giving them tips and things to do, to, hey, you need to hire somebody in-house now. You're at the size. You're three, four, five in. You're big enough that you need an internal SEO. Uh, to more experimentation. So it might be we've, we've, we've done all the major kind of scalable things. And now, now we want to kind of like see what are some new ideas that we could throw out there or in turn, giving ideas back to, to me to say, Hey, let's deal with this. Um, or kind of some fun stuff where like my paid person is doing a new program that's working well, but might be harming my SEO side in some way or form. And so it's, it's, uh, pivot, it's not pivoting, modifying some of my work that I need to then work with, with the, the portfolio intern and say, okay, this is great, kind of harmful here. How can we offset this to make it less, you know, harmful or turn into a positive and, and coming back to them on, on some of that. But we generally try over these years is that it's less amount of my time and effort into them and letting them kind of take more and more of the rain just so that then as we get new portfolios coming in, I can spend more time with them because they're often, say, more in need of, of the help at the start. And so to wrap us up here a little bit, what would be something that you can leave us with, a piece of advice that you would give somebody that you're turning the reins over to? Let's say you're turning it over to an in-house SEO that's been hired or you know, a marketing director of some kind. What, what advice do you leave them with? Do you just say, hey, you know what? Here's the best practices. Good luck. What do you give them to walk away with? What is your inspiration, Micah, that you give these folks that you're working with? What I try to do is be a bit, one is, generally be available for them. Here is what I've done. I, I basically try to explain them what I've done and why and where the gaps potentially still are because it is a different, it's a different world of what I work in across scale versus like when you're deep into the house, you can go, you can go pretty deep and fix individual things you know, pretty quickly. So I'm there to still be helpful and, and answer any questions as it, as it comes along. I give them some of the, the training in my documents and things that I do, but making sure that they understand, hey, this is your thing now. Like, you know, this is just the way that I did it. Feel free to take it in your different directions. But it's also the willingness to chat with them every so often to talk about what's going on in the industry because we, we are, so to speak, in the same bucket. We're not going to be competing anymore, but it's also like a history with it. And so we want them to continue to be successful because it also looks good on us that it, after we hand it off, it doesn't just crash. So we want to make sure that the handoff is good. And so there are documentations, training, explanations, and sometimes as needed, like check-ins uh, with them and, and help answer any questions or, or getting a sounding board of like, this SEO issue is really knowing the heck out of me what is going on or we need additional help. Do you have recommendations? Here are some folks that I can recommend. And so those are those are some of the things that I try to help in turn because I think of it as like these are things that I would love for whenever I've gone from uh, to a new company is knowing what's happened and why and who worked on it and who can I talk to and understand what what the, the issues were. And so being able to kind of pay it forward and give that to them, I think is is kind of my mindset of what I want to try to help with and, and you know take a success of one, give it to them. And so like, as an example for that, like I've worked with kind of helping that part of that handoff with Mailgun. And so that part of it where it's like, same thing, it's like, you know, 
person to hire what they need help with. And, and sometimes it's a learning experience even from then versus like, okay, here's what I think it is, but then as needs change, then that's gotta change. But those are the fun things that I get to help with even after. Yes, documentation as inspiration. I love it. That's that's what we all need more of in our lives. Well, Micah Fisher-Kirschner, it has been a pleasure having you on The Marketing Hero. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to The Marketing Hero Podcast by ClearPivot. Be sure to join us next time. For more information, visit www.clearpivot.com.